0: Last night, uh, Pastor Rice forgot to dismiss the kids for Sunday school. Last week, kids, I am sorry, uh, but you can go ahead and go to Sunday school this morning. And First uh, Samuel chapter sixteen, teens, yeah, go ahead and head up. Brother Amal be in just a minute. He was stuck in an accident. He didn't cause it, I don't think. Darren, did he cause the accident? He probably did. He's Persian, so he probably caused it. But uh, uh, turn to First Samuel this morning, the book of First Samuel. Uh, Chapter 16, and if you don't have a Sunday school lesson this morning, we are looking at lesson number 10 uh, in our series, The Journey to the Valley of Ella. There's Brother Ahmad. Hi, Brother Ahmad. Uh, The Journey to the Valley of Ella, and uh, we're, uh, of course, speaking about David, and uh, we began last Sunday uh, with this. Anybody not have one of the lessons this morning? Lesson number 10, Uh, back in the back there by the Colton. Anyone else? If you need one, put your hand up. Miss Shirley here in the front. I want everyone to have a copy of the notes here this morning. We'll wait just a moment. Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to believe this weather, isn't it? Man, it's it's halfway through October, and there's no uh, four-letter S word on the ground. And I'm not going to say the word starts with the S, ends with a W, and uh, praise the Lord, uh, it's a blessing. Uh, look here with me in First Samuel chapter 16, and uh, we're going to uh, look over the passage here, verses 1 through 13, and uh, we're going to uh, uh, give you some notes, uh, catch up from last week, and then some thoughts about David's cause this morning. But look here in verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil. And go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do and whom thou shalt anoint unto me, and whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said surely the lord anoint, the lord's anointed is before him and the lord said unto samuel look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because i have refused him for the lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance but the lord looketh on the heart then jesse called abinadab and made him pass before samuel and he said neither hath the lord chosen this and jesse made shammah to pass by and he said neither hath the lord chosen this And again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him. And now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and Goodly to look to, and the Lord said, Arise, and anoint him, for this is he. In verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you for the powerful book that we open this morning. Your eternal, perfect, holy word. Lord, that which is alive, that which has the power to save us, that which has the power to keep us, that which has the power to lead us and guide us in all truth by your Spirit. And Lord, this morning as we continue our study on our faith, our walk of faith, Lord, as we look to David, a man after your own heart, Lord, I pray that we would see in his journey of faith the journey you have for us, Lord, I pray you'd help us as believers to truly walk by faith. Lord, so often we look on the outside. So often we look with the physical eyes and we question and we doubt and we fret. God, help us to see with a spiritual vision. God, help us to realize your purpose. Help us to see your glory. Help us to know your power. Lord, I pray you'd help me this morning, Lord, to teach you right your truth. Uh, May you be uplifted. May you be glorified. Lord, we seek throughout this day uh, to lift up Christ. God, may that be the case. Help us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We see here in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, David. But we do not yet see David, the mighty king. We do not yet see David, the man that God would use mightily. We do not see him yet as sitting on the throne and wearing the crown. By the way, we don't even see him yet as being carried on the shoulders of the nation of Israel as they cried, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Rather, we see him as a young shepherd boy, not a mighty warrior, not a man who would fight battles. Yes, a young, a young man who obeyed his father, a young man who worked hard, a young man who in the course of obeying his father and protecting the sheep would kill a lion and he would have killed a bear. But we don't see that here in this passage. We rather see a very unassuming, very unlikely young man that God would raise up to be the king. We see the calling here. We see Samuel was going to find a new king that God would give him. David, a man after God's own heart that God would lead Samuel to. Now, we understand here as we begin this morning that we see God dealing with Samuel and God telling Samuel, hey, get over yourself You know, quit worrying about King Saul, quit thinking, I've rejected him. I want you to fill your horn of oil, I want you to go forward, I've got something for you. As I mentioned last week, how powerful that thought. So often we stay bogged down, concerned, upset, mourning, that which is not to be. I was in an area uh, this week, uh, as I drove past an area, I remembered a day Five years ago this week that I was up in a tree. I wasn't hiding like Zacchaeus, uh, but I was up in a tree waiting to see an animal, hoping to find a deer. And As I was up in that tree, I heard a rifle shot in the distance, probably two, three miles away. And momentarily after the rifle shot, I heard the cry of a wolf. And it was a mournful cry. And it did not stop for over an hour. And I realized in that moment that most likely it was someone had shot a wolf. And uh, praise God for that. They do quite a bit of damage. I talked to a fish and game officer just yesterday, and he was talking about the decimation the wolves are causing in that area. And no doubt it was a pair of wolves and one was killed. And I listened for over an hour as I heard the cry as that wolf bewailed and bemoaned the fact that its mate was gone. It was a long and a somber cry. So many of us, all we do is we bemoan and bewail that which is gone. Saul was told, Samuel was told by God, Samuel, fill your horn. Go forward. I have something. By the way, that something was greater than that which Samuel was mourning. Christian, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck because of something that happened in the past. Don't get stuck because something did not go the way you planned. We see Samuel went forward, and we see point number one in your notes that we talked about last week. God had rejected, of course, Saul from being king. God was sending Samuel to find a new king. And point number one here we see David's calling. David's calling. First Samuel chapter 16 verse seven, but the Lord said unto Samuel, "This is a very important phrase, "Look not on his countenance or the height of his stature." Can I tell you here that God was reminding the prophet not to follow the pattern and the thought process of the people? Because the nation of Israel said, God, we want a king. Give us a king. We got to have a king. We have to have a king like everybody else. And when God said, okay, they said, we want him. Who was the him? Him was King Saul. Him was the man head and shoulders above all the nation of Israel. Him was the guy that if they were picking teams to play basketball, we want him. He was the the candidate that they looked at and said, that's got to be the king. God reminds the prophet, don't look on the outside. Don't look at the countenance. Don't, Don't look at the stature. Because God was not concerned with the stature. God was not concerned with the countenance. What was God concerned with? In verse number seven. In the last part of the verse, it says, But the Lord. But the Lord looketh on the heart. And we read a moment ago, verses 8 through 13, how Jesse the father went and brought his son and put his son before the prophet and said, This is him. This is my boy that you want. This is the one that you want. And Samuel, the prophet, said, yeah, he looks like he should be the king. But God said, no. Seven times, no, 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 no. And the prophet said, none of these, none of these seven, is there not yet one son of Jesse? And Jesse said, well, Yeah, but he's a shepherd. He's keeping the sheep. Samuel would not rest until David was called. You understand it wasn't, hey, David, come here. Rather, they had to send someone. (coughs) They had to find the sheep. They had to find David. They had to find someone to replace David. David had to travel from where he was back to where the prophet was. It was a time of waiting, and David entered we see the calling of David. Now, in David's calling, letter A in your notes, we see the purpose, the purpose of David's calling. The purpose of David's calling. God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse because he had already chosen. God had already chosen David. Before Samuel showed up, the choosing (coughs) was already done. In verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. We see here the Jehovah-Jireh, the God who will provide. The God who provided the king. Two reasons why a new king was being chosen of the Lord. First, Saul was chosen by the people, not by God. The scripture recorded the people demanded a king. He was the king of the people, not the king God called. 1 Samuel 8 verse 5, And said to him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. In chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. God had rejected Saul. But number two, it was not just that God had rejected Saul. God was looking for a man after his own heart. Now I confess that I was not born in Canada I understand I'm new to the country of Canada. By seventeen years, seventeen years I've been here. I was not reared my whole life. Many of you have been here your whole life. But as an as a as an American who moved to Canada watching and learning a little bit about the political process in Canada and politics in general, it was a I still don't understand all of it, and I don't think our politicians understand all of it either. Uh, I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, but as I've watched elections happen since I've been in Canada these 17 years, it seems like, as Canadians, that we don't vote for anything. We only vote against stuff. Uh, you know, We're mad about this or upset here, so let's vote against that. Understand, God calling a king was not just, OK. I don't want him, so I have to pick somebody else. Sometimes that's the way we act and react, it seems, as a nation. But it wasn't God just, okay, I got to get rid of Saul, so we'll put somebody else in there, just so Saul's gone. That wasn't it. Rather, it was God looking for a man after his own heart. That was the purpose of the calling of David. It was to find a man after his own heart. We see the heart of David as God revealed and opened up to show the heart of David in the Shepherd psalm, the 23rd psalm. In the 23rd psalm, we see David's heart was a believing heart. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. It was a teachable heart. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He was led. He was taught. We see David's heart was a holy heart. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, Psalm 23 tells us. A confident heart. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We see the heart of David. It was a thankful heart. As we talked about thankfulness last Sunday, my cup runneth over. And David's heart, the shepherd's heart, was a fixed heart. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So we see the purpose of David's calling, and I want you to be reminded again, let her be in your notes, we see the process. The process of David's calling. God guided Samuel through the process of selecting the next king, Samuel looked on the outside, but God did not. I remember going with my uncle one time to look at a vehicle, and it wasn't at a car lot. It wasn't in town. We drove out a holler. I'm trying to remember where it was at now. I was a young boy. I remember my uncle and I getting out. It was this pretty rough-looking place out in the middle of nowhere, and this guy had a truck for sale. And my uncle got out to look at the truck, and in his pocket he had a magnet. We walked over to the truck, and my uncle took the magnet and held it up to the side of the fenders. He talked to the fella for a little bit. He made sure the guy didn't watch him use the magnet. Talked to the fella a little bit, and he said, Well, I don't think I'm interested. We got back in the truck. And my uncle said that thing was a piece of junk. And, man, it looked good. It had a fresh paint job on it. It was clean. And I'm, as a kid, I'm like, man, that truck is nicer than your truck. You should have bought that truck. And my uncle told me it looked good on the outside. He said, but that whole thing's made of Bondo. Uh, he took that magnet to see if there was any steel. He said he couldn't find any steel anywhere near the fenders. It was just bondoed up and painted to make it look nice. It looked good on the outside, but the inside was not good. Can I tell you that the process of David's calling started with the prophet looking at the outside? But God had to tell him. God had to reveal what was on the inside. And we see that process. Yes, he brought his sons, as I mentioned. Uh, God was looking at the heart, not at the height, not at the countenance. Not at the good looks, not at the physique. He was looking at the heart. Christian, can I tell you that God is still looking at the heart? God's looking for the heart of a man or a woman that will love him, that will desire him, that will honor him. Say, but Pastor, my life's a wreck. I did this, and I've done that, and I've got this going wrong. But God's looking for your heart. God's looking to see our heart after him. We see the process here. The prophet comes, and he is seeking, seeking the next king. God's looking for a people with a heart for God a desire to follow him in obedience. The book of Acts, the Bible tells us in Acts 13. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. I shared this with you last week, but a a quote I want to read to you again. Robert Murray McShane wrote to a missionary friend just after his friend had been ordained into ministry. And this was what he wrote to him. In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents, God blesses so much, as a great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Can I tell you about a man that would not allow himself to be called reverend, would not allow himself to be called pastor or preacher? Rather, he made people call him Mr. Moody, Dwight L. Moody. I say that name and we think of great revivals. We think of a man who preached... Across two continents in a day when that was unheard of. A man who saw great work for God happen. Can I tell you why that happened? It was not because Mr. Moody was a great orator. It was said of Mr. Moody that he could say the word Mesopotamia in one syllable, he was not educated. He left home as a young boy to go to Chicago to work in a shoe store because he had no money. He didn't have an education. He didn't have refinement. Those are not wrong things. Education is not bad. I'm not saying those are bad things. But God did not need that to use a Mr. Moody. God used Mr. Moody not because of his voice, not because of his intellect, not because of his vocabulary but because of Mr. Moody's heart for God. David was a man whose heart followed after God. Samuel took the horn of oil. The Bible tells us in verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Can I tell you that anointing to be the next king was a symbol of An Old Testament symbolism of the Holy Spirit, of God's Holy Spirit being poured out, that anointing being poured out. Of course, we know as believers today, after the cross, the moment that I got saved, the Holy Spirit came to take up residence in me. But that was not the case in David's day. God's Spirit came upon men. And we see that here in the picture of the pouring of the oil, the horn of oil on David. 1 Samuel 16, verse 18, Then answer one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Notice what it says. This is after he was anointed. That is cunning and playing. And then, by the way, that wasn't playing Monopoly like the teens are going to play in a couple weeks. That was uh, cunning and playing instruments. Cunning and playing. And a mighty, valiant man. Man of war. And prudent and matters and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Don't underestimate the value of God's spirit. Because verse 13, the horn of oil is poured upon David. Five verses later, something is different about David. People said, Hey, have you have you seen David? Now, if all of those things were said about David before the prophet came to Jesse's house, everybody in town would have been, hey, we know who you're looking for. You're looking for David. Man, he's a mighty man of war. Man, he's prudent in matters. He's a, David's your man. God's on him. God's blessing him. But that didn't happen because it was the spirit of the Lord that caused all those things to be true about David. And we see the process of David's calling there. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. By the way, it would be several years before David would ever sit on the throne of Israel. It would be several years before David would wear the crown. But he had the blessing of God. He had the spirit of God. He had the anointing of the prophet. Number two in your notes. We're going to look at this today, David's cause. I want you to look at chapter 17, just across the page there. First Samuel chapter 17, David's cause. We talked about his calling David's cause is revealed here in chapter 17 when he fought against Goliath of Gath. Goliath of Gath. God had given David a cause to honor and to glorify him. Christian, God has that same cause for you. To honor and to glorify God with your life. When David was still a young man, God proved his faith. We're talking about this journey of faith. God wants to prove your faith. God wants your faith to grow. We're going to see that here in the calling, or in David's cause. Letter A in your notes. David's cause, his cause was for the faith. The faith. It was not his personal opinion. It was not because of what he felt. It was not because he was personally offended, it was the faith. Too often, our cause is us. Our cause is our pride, our cause is our feelings, our cause is our ideas. David's cause was the faith. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah and pitched between Shoko and Azekah and Apizadim, Damin and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose heights was six cubit and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. In verse 8 and he stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. Down in verse 16 of the same passage, it says, And the Philistines drew near, morning." and evening, and presented himself 40 days. 40 days. Can I tell you, it was not just the armies of Israel. It was not just King Saul. It was the God of Israel that Goliath was defying. 40 days every morning, Goliath left the mountaintop. He came down and said, hey. Hey come down here and fight me. A bunch of cowards. Hey, come down here. Let's see what's going to happen. He'd go back. In the evening, again, Goliath would come down again and call him out for 40 days. For 40 days, God's people are on the other mountain afraid. King Saul, should have gone down to fight. King Saul should have said, I'm going to follow the Lord, but he did not. All the men in fear, as God was defied, God's people were defied. We see here that Goliath was crying out to them. David came. David, in 1 Samuel 17, we see his concern. David comes to see his brother. In verse 21 of the same chapter, it says, For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of Gath. Understand, twice a day, 40 40 days, on this day, David was there whenever, the, whenever Goliath went down. And it says, he spake according to the same words, and David heard them. That's an important verse. King Saul heard them 40 days. David's brothers heard them 40 days. All the other soldiers the army of Israel heard them 40 days. But David heard them, and David had a different response because David had a cause. David's cause was for the faith. It tells us there that David heard them. In verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel as is he come up, and it shall be the man who killeth him. The king will enrich him with great riches and will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Notice David was concerned about the reproach that was upon the nation of Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. In verse 27, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, And so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, notice, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. And the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. By the way, oftentimes when we have a cause for the faith, people try to spend that cause and make it about them and make it about something fleshly. What did David say in verse 29? And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Can I tell you Christian that there was a cause? Our cause is the faith. Our cause is truth. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 11, "Whereupon I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles." For the which cause Paul penned under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I also suffer these things; nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Christian, do you have a cause for the faith? Do you believe? Do you believe God's word? Does it move you? Is it something that you're willing to stand for and stand on? Are we willing to stand for the faith? David had a cause. But we see letter B in our notes here, his cause, David's cause, was challenged. It was challenged. David was criticized by his brother. Eliab questioned David's integrity. By the way, I have a feeling Eliab was jealous of David. Eliab wanted to be the king. He wanted to be the one anointed by the prophet. But he questioned David's integrity, questioned David's motive, questioned David's ability. Let me help you with something here this morning. Oftentimes, those that are the most suspicious of wrong intentions, the most suspicious of wrong heart attitudes, the most suspicious of motive and integrity are those who are guilty of having no integrity and wrong motives because they know what they're like and they assume everybody else is like them. Those that are always suspicious of folks, most of the time it's because they embody the things they are suspicious of in other people. But Eliab here is questioning David and challenging David. He unjustly criticized David, by the way. David wasn't perfect, but David was not guilty of this. Out of anger, accusing him of leaving his responsibility. By the way, not only accusing him of leaving his responsibility, but belittling the responsibility David had. He was basically saying, David, we're here, we're soldiers for King Saul, and all you do is watch a couple of sheep. And you left that responsibility. Like we're doing our duty, and the little teeny duty that doesn't mean anything at all that you're in charge of, you've left it. You understand David had some pretty strong attacks. By who? By his oldest brother. His cause was questioned. He accused David of simply wanting to see the battle. Now, all this accusation is coming. All this accusation is coming at him. And yet, Eliab had done nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's just shooting at David all of these arrows of accusation. And yet, Eliab had done nothing but hide whenever Goliath came out we see David's cause was questioned it was challenged we see that in verse 28 there's an ancient Chinese proverb that said let the man who says it cannot be done not disturb the man who is doing it that's a wonderful quote So many there are those that all they want to do is say, no, you can't do that. It can't be done the whole time somebody's doing something. No, no, you can't do that. It's impossible. You can't do that. Hey, you can't do that. Hey, would you just shut up and leave me alone? I'm going to do what what I'm doing. Uh, David was challenged not only by his brother, but he was challenged by his king. Now, David had been anointed king, but he was not king yet. Saul had been rejected from being king, but he still wore the crown. David was a subject to Saul, although David was the anointed king. So we have his leader, his authority figure, also questioning, also challenging his cause. Saul doubted David's ability. Saul looked at him and said, are just a youth. Somewhere, we, we don't know for sure, theologians have, have pondered and questioned and I, I, I would say David was somewhere between the age of 12 and 17. I would lean more towards the, the, the older age of there, but many people believe many different areas there, but somewhere between the age of 12 and 17. To say the least, he, he was not what we would call in our culture today an adult. He was what we would call a teenager. We see that although he was a youth, God still wanted him to defeat Goliath, who was over nine feet tall. I've met some tall people, but imagine someone nine feet tall. We're talking about the head is up there at the top of the security lights there above the exit sign. That's a big man. Man. And David, the youth, going to face Goliath. First Samuel 17, look at verse 31. And When the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, David here, the young boy, talking to his king, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and Fight with this Philistine and David. Saul said to David, now get this. He goes to his king. He says, king, I'll go. I'll fight. I'm I'm not going to let that that giant bad mouth my God and and the armies of our God. He said, I'll I'll go. He said, "Don't, don't, don't worry about it. I'll go for you. Saul did not encourage him. Look what he said. And Saul said to David in verse 33, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Can I tell you both of those men, Eliab and King Saul, both of those men forgot something. They forgot God. They forgot God. Christian So often, we are challenged in our faith and those that go against the cause that we should have because we take God out of the equation. We remove God from the equation. But when you add God, when God is added to the equation, a little shepherd boy can walk down into that valley of Ella, not with armor, not with shield and helmet and target of steel, not with chain mail and greaves of brass, not with an armor bearer and a sword and a spear and a shield, but with a sling and a shepherd's bag with five smooth stones. That little boy, that young, almost man, could face a giant that was nine feet tall. And when the battle was over, David was the one standing victorious, holding the head of the giant. Why? Because of God. Christian? Don't forget God. Don't forget God in the equation when it comes to your cause, when it comes to standing for truth. Don't look at yourself and your, your abilities and your things. Look at what God can do. Because David walked out in that valley. He did not say, hey, buddy, I've beaten up guys bigger than you. Man, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tear you up, man. No, that's not what he said. He said, God will give you unto me this day. He said, I'm not fighting by myself. Christian, you're not supposed to fight by yourself. You're not supposed to be walking by yourself. You're not supposed to be on this walk of faith by yourself because God said, I will never leave you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Can I tell you that we do not walk alone and we can stand for the faith even when our cause is challenged And we can go forward. We can stay faithful. And we, like David, can walk into our valley. We can face the giants before us, not because of our power and our strength and because of our ability, but because of our God. Even when those that love us the most hurt us the most. Even when authority figures discourage us. Even when leaders fail us, we can walk by faith and trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to grow together, the opportunity to walk by faith. Lord, thank you as we see David, as we see David's cause this morning. Lord, I pray that we would have a cause for the faith. I pray that when our cause is challenged, that we would stay faithful and we would not forget God. Lord, we would realize that you are always part of our equation. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your goodness on this day, your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for those gathered here today. Lord, I pray for those traveling yet to be for our service this morning. Lord, I pray you'd work in every aspect. Lord, I pray you'd bless our, our, our children's church. Lord, I pray you'd be in our nurseries. and Lord, in every aspect of our day, God, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray, amen.